Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 218. In this episode, we're thinking through attribution and again, how HubSpot provides attribution reporting. Plus some interesting things about average days to close on a sales report and viral post title generator. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, strategies for growing your sales, marketing and service results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Oh, I'm really well. And so much to get through in this episode. Tons of notes, tons of little mini shots as well as long shots. And thanks to the people that have replied and said that they like the new get everything, all the show notes in an email each week. So just a reminder, folks, to sign up on hubshots.com. Now, listeners, before we progress, it was Craig's birthday a week ago. And so... If you do hit him up on LinkedIn, say happy birthday. And happy birthday, Craig. It was a bit odd not seeing you on your birthday this year, but hopefully the next one we will. Oh, thank you. Yep. Another year done. That's right. Hopefully we're all, all a bit wiser. All right. On to our growth of the week, Craig. And this is about thinking about attribution. And you've gone into depth here. So I'm going to hand it over to you to talk about it because there are many types of attribution and listeners, you would have probably encountered this if you've done Google ads, for example, before, and they talk about different attribution models, but now in HubSpot, we're seeing what we're probably used to is first touch attribution, but now we're seeing all of these different models being introduced and how do we make sense of it? So Craig's going to walk us through that and what the different models are. Yeah, well, look, I'll just take a step back because I've been trying to get my head around attribution lately. I mean, we've talked about it on the show a number of times before. I feel for many people, it's just this academic topic and it's very hard to actually get meaning. I think most people will say, oh, yeah, we want to know attribution. They've got a notion of what it's about and how it's potentially useful. But there's other things that get in the way. The big one is they don't have enough data. So attribution analysis is kind of meaningless. And as we'll discuss later in the show, it's like if they're not tagging it correctly, so you're not even getting the right data to analyze. But also, I think it becomes overly complex. And so, I will start by saying simple attribution is where you start. And this can be as simple as people saying, you know what? A large percentage of our revenue comes from people who use an iPhone. At its simplest, I'm sure data analysts and attribution specialists wouldn't say, oh, that's not attribution. What's the attribution model? What's, you know, where's the, where's the last touch of the linear? Attri-? No, that's its simplest. And if, if that's an insight you pick up, iPhone users, then that's valuable. That's actually actionable. Uh, but then what we're really getting into is this idea of journey attribution. And this is, in, in some ways, it's the holy grail. We want to look across a person's entire journey and not only one person, but many people and work out what parts of that journey are actually providing value to them and pushing them on to be a customer, i.e. revenue that comes along. And that's when it gets really hard. And we'll look at this in the next shot. But then even further down this attribution rabbit hole that we kind of fall into, uh, there's activity attribution. So it's not only, oh, they touch this ad and then this page and this form and this uh, social post, but then it's, oh, sales got involved. How many activities did sales need to provide as in phone calls that might not have even been answered and then finally connected all of that kind of activity attribution? That's when the real gems can come out. And I know this is what businesses are aiming for, especially some of our big corporate clients. They're like, 
Here's questions I'll ask. How quickly do sales need to get on to leads in order to convert them? What's, what's the minimum time? How many calls do they need to make? Oh, what combination of calls and assets? Oh, what kind of content, if they're viewed, makes a sales call more likely to close? Like These are hard questions to answer, but it's worth knowing that that's the end journey that, or the end result that we want to get to. We're not even close to that yet. But HubSpot, as you can see, when we go into the next shot, they're actually on their path. That's the path they're heading down because they know that's where we want to get to. So just to summarize, I think this introduction, attribution, if you can get something actionable, even the simplest attribution that's actionable, go for it. Don't feel embarrassed that you're supposed to have some complex analysis and lots of data sets. But two, just be aware that with great data, it does start unlocking the potential to gain these insights. And therefore, being across tools like HubSpot's new attribution report builder is going to be valuable in the future. All right, Craig, on to our quick shots of the week. And the first one is HubSpot adding an extra export option. And this is in account and settings default. And you're able to get a log of all the users logged into your HubSpot portal, including HubSpot staff. Yep, they're um, getting much more transparent on who's jumping into your portal and doing stuff. So this was good to see. And also, Craig, in saying that there is an option in the settings to actually allow or disallow HubSpot staff from logging in as well. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I actually went through this with uh, HubSpot a couple of weeks ago. I was like, what can you actually see in my portal? Can you see all the emails? Because I'm logging all my emails in there. And I asked them, can you see my emails? Can you see the threads? And the response was no. By default, HubSpot staff can't. They can see that there was an email, but they don't see any of the details, don't see subject line, definitely don't see the thread. However, there are overrides in particular cases. So an example might be a legal uh, issue or something like that. But by default, yeah, they can't see any of that. So just in case people are wondering, if HubSpot has, and this includes HubSpot support, if they're in your portal looking at something for you, they do not see emails. Good to know. And the second one is a HubSpot blog. And it was recently in July about the topic of how to write a blog post, Craig. I thought this was so good because it shows... This is my takeaway. It doesn't matter how old or done to death a topic might be, if you prepare and show a fresh perspective, perhaps in a different format or a better format that adds value, don't assume everyone's an expert like you are. There are beginners entering the market every day. And finally, Craig, there is now 3.96 billion people, that's more than half the world's population, using social media. So Facebook is the leader by a big margin, followed by YouTube and WhatsApp, which is another Facebook uh, property. So it's really good to know. And it's a. I was actually shocked because you put this in the notes and then I heard it today and I was like, wow, this is like a whole game changer in terms of people that you can reach. So there you go. We've passed a, a magic number there. That's right. And so they're what we're calling our quick shots and they've got links in the show notes down in shot 12 later in the show. We've got our big shots. This is in-depth recommended reading. We don't have time to cover it in the show, but that's another reason why you should sign up and subscribe to get the show notes. All right, Craig. Now we're going to talk about the HubSpot marketing feature of the week, which is the HubSpot attribution reporting, which we have covered before in episodes 168 and 176. 
I thought we'd revisit it because it has been getting a bit of a push from HubSpot lately and also some things that caused us a bit of alarm back in 200, episode 215 where they're deleting some old attribution reports. But let's start this by saying if you don't have good data, don't even try to use the attribution reports. So good data equals useful attribution. So some quick gotchas before we even look at the reports in HubSpot. Things like making sure you're tagging all your traffic. If you're sending traffic from social, make sure you're tagging it, by which I mean the UTM parameters, things like that. Paid ads is another great one. Email, make sure there's proper tracking. If you're sending from HubSpot, that's all done automatically. But if you're using other set tools, you need to track it all. Simple things like the number of times there's links in email signatures and they're not tagged so that people can't tell. So if you're not actually tagging your, your traffic, uh, then your attribution reports will be, well, hindered. Now, Davis has a good post on the HubSpot blog, and he reminds us that when we're looking at attribution reports, we need to have a goal. So with contact attribution, it's like what content or what interaction source, there's many dimensions, is driving a contact. So that's the preamble. And then we've linked out to good HubSpot knowledge base as well as Davis's blog, where they talk you through how to set up the report. So we're not going to go through how to set up a report because their knowledge base does a good job of that. The only thing I want to highlight is this dimensions. When you've set up the report, you know, you just kind of report, settings, custom report, blah, blah, blah. But it's the dimensions and there's a bunch of different dimensions. So things could be campaigns, they could be referrers, they could be interaction sources. That's the one we're going to discuss in today's show. But the this is the key element that you want to look at. You're wanting to drive into what's driving a contact and is it content? Is it a type of content? Those kinds of things. And uh, we've got a screenshot here. Now, what's your takeaway from this screenshot, um, Ian? We're chatting about this before the show. You talking about the no value, Craig? Well, talking about interaction sources. Like, oh, it's just yeah. a mess of numbers. Uh, Correct. It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like, how do you make that actionable? Are many of your clients using attribution reporting? No, Craig, they're not. What's the reason they're not using it out of interest? They're just not up to that stage of, I guess, asking those questions and some of them just don't have the data to, I, to I'm sure data this. is the most common reason. And for most of our clients, we, we're not going through it with them because, yeah, it's just not meaningful. I've got a screenshot in here in the show notes, which shows we've gone interaction source and drilling into social. And when you look at the numbers, it's really hard to know what's the takeaway from this. How do you actually make this actionable? Mm. And well, I'll give the example in this case, like it's paid social as a big driver. But what we're finding in this particular client is that paid social is often their first interaction. They often sign up and become a contact. So it's like, well, the attribution report doesn't give us a lot of insight that we didn't actually realize from, well, just knowing that social drives traffic and signups. So the reason I've put this in the show is because it highlights how hard it is to get insight from attribution reports. And one of the things I wanted to mention is that when you look at the knowledge base and the blog posts they talk through, they don't give real world examples. And I think this is really what's missing from HubSpot's side. They really need to give us real world examples where they walk you through diving into a real attribution report and showing us how to get insights. And so 
that's in some ways the takeaway from this segment. In future shows, I think, Ian, you and I, this is a big value add. We will talk through some of the attribution reports for some of our clients. We'll give screenshots and we'll dig into it to show you how you actually can get takeaways from them. So, Craig, you did want to talk about the key takeaway would be to make a start and use it to highlight gaps and then fix your tracking because in the screenshot that you see, you'll see there is a part of the screenshot that says there's no value. And then dive into that attribution reporting further on. Make a start. You can't go wrong making a start, but don't get disillusioned if you can't get insights. Now, listeners, onto our HubSpot sales feature of the week, and this is to do with a report. And if you're in sales and you're looking at different metrics to what drives sales and how to close things quicker, this is a good report. And this is the average days to close report on the sales team productivity dashboard. And you can actually add this to a, a dashboard as a report as well. But what's interesting out of this is look at it in a perspective of how do you understand, based on seasonality perhaps, are things closing quicker or taking longer to close? So I guess what's in- interesting in the screenshot that I've given, which is from one of our portals, is that there are obviously some deals that are a bit more in the future into next year and potentially the days to close on that is now counting from now to that period. So it just seems like it's a long, it's a long lead time. And that could be possibly because they've had a conversation with somebody and they've said, look, we're not looking at doing this till March, 2021. So just to understand that. And I guess you can see what's been won, what's been open and what's been closed. So it's a really good indication of understanding and then drilling deeper into what sort of activities are making this work or go faster or slower. So I thought I'd highlight that today as an example. That's a great report and a common one that sales managers ask for. It's it's very, very common and great to see HubSpot providing it so clearly. The precursor to this was two episodes ago, we talked about the pipeline or the forecasting So have a look at that from two episodes ago. Now, onto our HubSpot Extra of the Week, and this is comments on workflow actions, Craig, and this is just rolled out. And why would this be useful instead of just making random comments on on, uh, workflow actions? And you rightly put it here that it's a great place to document some of your old and complex workflows and understand why you did certain things. And so it's a welcome addition, let's put it that way. Hashtag, it's the little things. Correct. It's these little things that just improve the product. Uh, yeah, I think it's really good. So talking about little things today, Craig, I had somebody complaining, it's the little things that make them annoyed because things keep changing all the time. And I said, well, that's just the improvement, <laughs> can't right? Please everyone, can't. <laughs> can't please everyone. Anyway, there's an opposite side to that, that coin. Okay, on to our HubSpot Gotcha of the Week, Craig. And this is to do with the conversations inbox. And I had a customer who is using live chat and they said to me, look, can we just make it during business hours? I said, that's great. And progressively over time, they've added people into their portal. Now they are using the starter product. I think they'd left for lunch. Anyway, they said, we're still getting notifications. There's live chat going on. I'm like, hang on, what's going on? Anyway, I tracked it down and I went to have a look and I looked in the inbox and I looked to see who was actually logged in. 
And then I went, hang on, there are all these people in the inbox and obviously the people that were not logged in were away and the people who were in the system who probably had no idea that they were logged into the inbox were shown as available. So at which point I then took people out of the inbox or changed their status and made sure that they weren't. So there was a, there was a little gotcha because I was like, this, this is something wrong here. And it's all to do with managing your users that are active in your inbox. All right, Craig, on to our marketing tip of the week. Yes, and the marketing tip is that we're putting the marketing tip next week. So <laughs> stay tuned. So in the show. Yeah. I'm going to walk you through LinkedIn sponsored in-mails next episode. We've had a good session with a client this week talking about that. So, yep, tune in next week for that. All right, our inside of the week, Craig, are virtual events worth attending? I guess I'm going to be a bit of a naysayer here. Everyone's gone virtual. And inbound, of course, is the example here. Inbound is all virtual, but there's so many virtual events. And and my question is, are they even worth attending? I'm going to say, I don't think they are. Like I won't be attending inbound live. I might might watch some of the recordings later. But really, here's my reasoning. I think I can get much better value paying for high quality training from expert teachers. And so I'll pay for training. But you know what? I actually reckon sometimes you get better from just the HubSpot Academy going through one of their courses. There are exceptions. So, for example, when Chris O'Donnell's doing his product announcements, yeah, I would tune into Inbound for that. Correct. But for all the other sessions, I'm going to be hard-pressed to stay up, first of all, late at night, given the time zone here, to attend for something that I, I haven't seen before. And so I'm not confident it'll be great. It could be a waste of time. The other thing about training, and I, I do this podcast as well, I can watch at double speed or 1.5 times speed. You can't do that with an online event unless you're watching recordings afterwards. And so my feeling is that virtual events are going to burn people out. And I, I suspect a lot of companies just won't do them. Everyone's jumped on the bandwagon and doing them now. Of course, they've had to adapt and well done to all the companies that have changed and pivoted to do that. But... Are they worth attending? I'm going to say most of the time they're not. That's my opinion. I know you have a different opinion though, Ian. What's your opinion? Correct, Craig. And this week I have been attending live because we're doing some video training, Growth Video Live, which is happening in Las Vegas. So under normal circumstances, I guess I would have gone to Las Vegas to to learn and to meet other people. But I've been on this, so I've just done a day of it. And it's been interesting. So I, I, I guess time zone is a big factor here. And I was thinking, how am I going to do this? Listeners, I put a screenshot of what's available in the portal because it is online, how people are interacting. And it's kind of been interesting. They've tried to replicate, if you think about inbound, they've tried to replicate, you know, here's what's coming up, here's how to interact, you know, just the same that they would run on the screens at inbound where they're saying, you know, use this hashtag, take a picture and send it to us. So they've they've tried to keep that. They've actually done a good job of recording all the intermissions. They've kept all the sessions quite punchy, which has been really good. But yes, you know what? At the end of the day, I was sitting in my bed watching it and I got to a point of the, of the early hours of this morning. I was like, I've just had enough. I need to I need to sleep for a little while before I get to work. Then I was thinking, yeah, you know what? Like it was kind of half an event, but rightly in talking to you, I could essentially have just gone, well, I'll just watch the replays, right? I'm not sure and I'm undecided. Like, yes, I want to stay up to watch the product announcements, but everything else, you know, I could probably take it or leave it, to be honest. 
It'll be interesting to see whether always virtual events survive into future years because I think the live, uh, the in-person conferences won't. Half of them won't come back. Well, not for a long time yet, but the virtual conferences I think will die out. People are just going to get sick of them. However, the flip side is there's a race to zero, race to the bottom for these online events. It's kind of like webinars. Have we chatted about this on the show before? I could never understand why people attend webinars. I'm like, just go to YouTube and watch it and you can watch it. Doubles. Like, I can never understand why people sign up for webinars and then attend the webinars. I can understand sign them up just to get them sent later or the link later maybe, but, you know, webinar. It seems like all these online events, they're just like webinars maxed out. You know, it's like, why? Who, who attends these? Well, obviously, lots of people do. I realize I'm in the wrong and the minority here. I just don't get it. But... It also shows that if you've got an event and you need to be engaging with people, that if you haven't switched over to an online or virtual event, then you are behind. It's not like a virtual event is special these days. It's just table stakes. So if you do need to be playing in that level, then you must have your virtual event game on. Now, Craig, you've got your lol of the week. Did you see this, this viral post title generator? You can go to the link and you'll see the code they put behind it. It just ran, you know, pulls together random words. Look at some of these ones. 85 precious timer puzzles that will set your genie free. <laughs> 92 tense dominoes pizza puzzles that will make you popular at school. Like, it just randomly makes these up. I'm sure I used to see articles like this on BuzzFeed and stuff. You see it. It was just junk. And anyway, this is, folks... This is a joke. Or is it? You know the one I liked? Six innocent timer tricks which are guaranteed to help you find true love. Anyway, let's continue on, Craig. (laughs) And they have a Chrome extension as well. All right, on to our quote of the week, listeners. And this one is from... Oh, no, hang on, hang on. You missed the resource of the week. Dishonest marketing examples. Oh, yes. Did you see this? Oh, yeah. So, there's a Twitter account called uh, Dishonest Marketing. I love this. They call out and expose all these dishonest marketing. So, you know, those ones that have fake scarcity, such as, oh, only six left. And then you look behind the scenes and it's a random uh, bit of JavaScript that makes the number. I've got a great one in in the show notes here where it says, oh, 14 people are currently looking at this product as if, you know, to make it look popular. It's just bollocks. It's just JavaScript random number behind. I love how they expose this because I hate that stuff stuff i hate all that fake bogus it is it's dishonest it is so i'm following that but yeah they've got the chrome extension which tells you when you're on a site it tells you whether it's um being dishonest i ran it across the hubs hubshot site and it highlighted 11 instances of hyperbole right (laughs) so hyperbole is like because we say the podcast, it's perfect for marketing managers. And they've gone ding, ding. That's hyperbole <laughs> there. <laughs> Stuff like that. No, luckily, we're not doing anything dishonest, of, you know, in the real sense. But, yeah, it's pretty good, pretty funny. So, there you go, listeners. Download the Chrome extension and have a little chuckle throughout the day. All right. On to our quote of the week, Craig. And this is from Tim Ferriss's Tools of Titans, the tactics, routines, and habits of billionaires, icons, and world-class performers. And it says... And if you say you're not creative, look at how much you're missing out on just because you've told yourself that. I think creativity is one of the greatest gifts that we're born with and some people don't cultivate, that they don't realize it could be applied to literally everything in their lives. 
And we have our Big Shots of the Week listeners. So subscribe to our newsletter and you'll get that. I'll just highlight some of them. We talk about, you know, Apple going into the search engine space. Rumors have resumed of them creating a search engine. But also the big one for us down in Australia is Australia versus Google and Facebook. And the Australians, uh, ACCC, government legislation, trying to make Google and Facebook pay media organize oh, it's just a debacle really um mm. it, it can't can't work well that's my opinion i know my, i'm in a minority view when if you look at how it's being reported but mm. uh we've got some links there and mainly to ben thompson at techery he's got an excellent analysis on it so make sure you read those and then we've got about how to go live on instagram which one day craig and myself will will do and how e-commerce growth relies a lot on facebook advertising Now, listeners, thank you for listening. Please connect with us on LinkedIn. When you do connect with us, please send us a message to say that you do listen to the podcast. That would be fantastic. And we hope you have a great week. Until next time, Craig. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and marketing resources, sign up at HubShots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.